Hello, everyone, and thanks for coming back to World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities, and our hope is that we can inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So without any further ado, I'm Piper. And I'm Sam. And welcome to World Forge. Hey, listeners, welcome back to another episode of World Forge, and happy 2020. Yeah, happy 2020, everybody. It's a new decade. A new decade, a new year, our first episode of the new year, and we're very excited about it here. Hey, Sam, we had a guest on not long ago, and they made some sort of incredible joke about how we should reference 2020 when talking about a D20. Oh, yeah. it's the. Do you remember the joke, or is that it? It's double Christmas. No, (laughs) (laughs) it was like Merry Christmas. It's it's the year year of double crits or whatever. Yeah, exactly. 2020, which is... Genius. Uh, I think that was uh, Josh from Arcane Forge pointed that out to us. Cool. Which is at you, boy. inspired. I, <laughs> I'll assume Josh made that up himself. Uh, he should get all the credit for that. That's Josh at Arcane underscore Forge on Twitter. And if we're remembering uh, <laughs> wrong, you're welcome, guy. Yes. It's a free idea on you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting. You know, the holidays are over, um, which means, I think, it's time for us to start thinking about spring break. Next holiday coming up, right? And all of the fantastical yeah. places we could go. Ooh, nice segue. You see what I'm doing here, Piper? Yeah, I see what you're doing yeah, there. We're talking about all the places that we can go. Oh, the places you'll go. <laughs> the number one gift for children and people going off to college. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> this week uh, on World Forge, we are talking about places. Yes, locations for your D&D yeah. game. Um, we Okay, so we did a, a session um, over this break. It was like mm-hmm. a couple days ago that mm-hmm. we did it. Yeah. And it was... Uh, the end of my turn to DM, because I just decided I'm your, done. Your reign as the DM. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I want to play as my character for a while. So I handed the reins over to Sam. Um, and after we were done playing, uh, one of our players, uh, her boyfriend came over and joined us. We were just kind of talking. He's also a DM. We just started chatting about different uh, Dungeons and Dragons stuff. And one of the things that I said was, I feel like coming up with exciting or interesting locations for your characters to in- interact with is sometimes kind of challenging. Yeah. Because for me, if I'm telling a story, I never want anything to feel too cookie cutter or familiar mm-hmm. i want to try and challenge people's expectations um so that's kind of my thought behind why we should yeah. come up with cool exciting new locations to help spice things up a little bit absolutely and, and i i like that you opened our episode where we are creating a bunch of cool locations by saying it's really hard for me to come up with cool locations well, <laughs> that's why the listeners come to us <laughs> see well exactly but here this is going to be awesome because we're going to be using our generation our different yeah. location generator and our prompt generators so i can't just sit in the moment and say "Ooh, um a town what do i do about that (laughs) if i'm given the word snakes snake town boom interesting (laughs) instantly interesting yes yeah we're we're gonna have actually a couple of different uh, sort of matrices of prompting this week so we're gonna right off the bat we're gonna give ourselves let's say like five prompts here, mm-hmm. five word prompts. Mm-hmm. And we're both going to just kind of keep this list of prompts in our pocket, in, in our pocket here. Yeah. Um, as we go through creating these actual locations, we've got a little wheel that we're going to spin. We're each going to kind of lightning round, create a couple of different locations throughout this episode. And mm-hmm. we have to use these. We can use any of the 
prompts that we get off the top uh, here at, as we see fit. So yeah. um, our potential locations include things like, you know, castles, ruins, deserts, swamps, forests, things like that. So we've, we've kind of got a wide array of locations that really anything could happen in. It could be, you know, just a random encounter on the road. It could be a big bad guy fight. It could be you know, the place where you find all of Alibaba's buried treasure or, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, it's where Jimmy Hoffa's body is buried. You know, whatever. Anything goes. Yeah. It's going to definitely be my goal to try and make something unexpected or particularly interesting about each of these locations. Yeah. I don't want to just make your run-of-the-mill fish market. I want to make, yeah. like, everyone is actually, you know, missing a left foot. Why? <laughs> What's the mystery here? Exactly. And, and I think that will kind of be the direction that we try to go with this is create a location choose something that's sort of anachronistic about that location something that's sort of weird that sets it apart from just your average you know forest or mountaintop or whatever and then maybe just a brief story of something that happened there in the past or something that could happen there just kind of like riff about like some you know something that's going on there exactly um, wherever the conversation takes us yeah totally so we'll each be doing a few of these so hopefully at the end of this episode you'll have a handful of cool interesting, unique locations that you could just sort of slot into any adventure that you could uh, ever find yourselves on. Exactly. Yeah. If it's, I mean, it's Sunday night right now for us. So if you have a session on Monday and you're like, oh, crap, I forgot. Like, where are they going to go this time? Now you can just take one of exactly. our ideas. You're and, welcome. Uh, speaking of interesting and cool and fun locations, we actually got some really cool uh, examples of some of our listeners and Twitter followers' favorite locations from their D&D games and stories they've told here. Piper, do you have uh, one specifically that you want to go ahead and share here first? Um, yeah, this one um, is somewhat simple, but also has a great detail about it. Um, so Alex Vosnensky, um on Twitter, he said uh, that his one of his favorite D&D locations was a tavern called Multicolored Pancakes run by a wizard <laughs> and a bunch of awakened rats raccoons as staff members yeah. i just love the idea of a tavern run by raccoons so yeah. that was one of my faves of the suggestions listed i also like that you know you're right it is it's not like uh oh it's like a crazy cosmically you know something about this is so wild and out there it's just, just one little kind of weird goofy thing like maybe it is just a normal tavern you go to and the only thing that's significant about it is that there's raccoons there sometimes that's just fun flavor i love that just to go somewhere different you go to a million little you know little red red dragon inns and they don't all have to be a little boring wooden shack that you go and you sleep in sometimes there's raccoons that feed you waffles dude <laughs> if i came across fun. a tavern that was filled with raccoon waiters and maitre d's and cooks uh mm -hmm. i would stay forever probably that'd be my new favorite place absolutely absolutely yeah i like that i i think the oftentimes the little incidental details like that can be the most interesting thing about a DD campaign i think it's really really fun you know when we play i always love when we go to a tavern and because i'll i'll take a piece of paper and I'll age it. I'll like stain it with coffee and I'll write up a little menu and I'll make a point of having us all sit down and say, all right, what are you going to order? What are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? Let's just kind of role play this. Like, why are you, do you, you know, does this player like fish? Does this player like beef? Does this player, is this player a vegetarian? Whatever. I think those are really, really fun things. Like just the little tiny kind of flavor details yeah. can be really impactful in your stories. And, and I, I think that's, 
oh, some of the most fun stuff to explore in this game. It's a D&D. It's a game where you can do anything, right? Well, exactly. Why not talk about the weird foods that you can eat and the, and the waiters and waitresses? And I, I think that's really, really exciting sometimes. So what is one of your Twitter suggestions? So I had, uh, there were a couple that I really liked here, but I'm going to start with uh, Kara Harris, uh, actually someone that we've interacted with quite a bit on Twitter, who's working on a really, really cool, uh, we spoke with her a while ago. She's working on a Hollow Knight-inspired uh, supplement for D&D. She's got a awesome. bunch of really cool bugs and stuff that she's working on. And uh, spoilers, she may or may not be appearing on the show uh, in, in the coming weeks here. But hey. um, she talked about an adventure that her party went on where they basically descended through the nine realms of hell but each realm was um controlled by a different god so there's one that was controlled by dionysus and it was just like a never-ending party that you know everybody was i imagine everyone was just like hung over all the time and that's why it was hell because you were just partying <laughs> constantly and there, there were like different like you know gods and and demigods and um you know rulers of these realms but the one that stood out to me was that she said um one of the primary rulers that they interacted with was krampus and that there was like a krampus that led this realm of hell and they ended up having to kind of team up with Krampus and help them solve a problem so that they could, you know, get out of his realm or descend further into the realms. And it's no secret to uh, frequent listeners of the podcast that Sam I am. loves Krampus. I am a diehard Krampus stan. I love a good Krampus here. So I, I love the idea of like a full Krampus realm that it's just <laughs> like, you know, the demiplane of Krampus. Uh, that would be my absolute jam. I think that sounds so cool. I mean, it makes sense. I, in our last session, I introduced Baphomet as like the dad of this warlock. Totally. Like, they're both goat-headed dudes. So yeah. yeah, totally. I think it's really interesting because you know, taking a important mythological character and kind of framing them a little bit differently, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Krampus is, I don't know if I would necessarily He's a holiday figure. Krampus. Yeah, well, I guess I, I wouldn't necessarily consider him to be a powerful figure, no, right? No, I wouldn't think so either. He's kind um, of an imp with a job. Totally. And, and so I like the idea that, you know, what if Krampus did have like a realm that was all his own and he made all the rules there, what would that place be like? Would it be full of, you know, kind of weird tricksters and, and punishing Yule spirits just like Krampus is? Or would it be, you know, would it be Christmas all the time there? Or would it be like hell Christmas where everything's on fire and there is no snow and no I, one gets presents? It would be filled with the Yule lads. <laughs> totally. The Yule lads. The weird little, go Google the Yule lads. <laughs> um, a bunch of weird little, little snot-nosed punks that follow around the uh, Christmas spirits. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of fun implications behind taking uh, a well-known character and saying, but what if they controlled everything yeah. in this location? Definitely. Uh, lots of cool flavor opportunities there. Any nice. other ones that you liked here, Piper? Um, one other that I thought was fun to mention um, comes from the Raven Post, at uh, post underscore Raven on Twitter. And they talked about um, how they recently had their group fight an ancient blue dragon in his lair on a cloud. Uh, they used a rainbow bridge to get up there, he says. Or they says. Or she says. They says. Um, says they. Um, <laughs> but uh, I love that idea. I actually when Sam and I were brainstorming this initially, like the example I was giving to him was like if we had the location castles, I would love it if to like spin it around. It's like, oh well, it's a flying castle, a castle in the clouds. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just like 
anything that you can put up in the sky instantly makes it of more course. whimsical, I think. Um, I, I think. Especially if you go like the Miyazaki route where everything has big like flapping dragonfly well, exactly, wings and, yes. and huge propellers. The and, world yeah. above is almost as mysterious as the world below within yeah. like the depths of the ocean. Like, I love that. If we just go up into the ether, what is up there that we don't see? Totally. It's I, very I, cool. It's such a cool idea that, you know, we say 90% of the oceans or whatever remain unexplored. Mm-hmm. And That's we why kind you have of, to keep your secrets. Exactly. <laughs> your, your secrets. Your secreters. Your secrets, yes. Um, uh, it's a throwback to a little meme that maybe we'll share on Twitter. Who knows? Um, oh, we definitely will. Yeah. Um, Watch for that. I, I like the idea that the sky could also be as mysterious as the deepest, darkest oceans, right? Because the oceans are mysterious because we can't just look to the bottom of them and see. Whereas the sky, we can kind of see all the way up, you know, uh, unless there's clouds in the way sometimes, right? So if I haven't said it already, one of my favorite Miyazaki films is Castle in the Sky. And there's a scene in that movie that I love where after uh, the two main characters come out of the mine that they've been hiding in, they see this enormous, like, mountain of clouds up there. And Patsu, the boy, he says, he's like, behind that wall is a kingdom that no one has ever seen. Totally. And I just love the idea that it's just hiding in the clouds. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it's not really the kind of... You wouldn't really expect there to be a bunch of things hiding in the clouds in the same way as you expect them to be in the darkness of the ocean. It's kind of like a hiding in plain sight type thing. It's great. Um, yeah, it's really, really it. cool. It kind of makes me think of... Um, uh, I, I ran a and d campaign a couple years ago with my brother where I wanted it to be... A, well, not just my brother. My brother and some other people. Uh, <laughs> just Sam and <laughs> yeah. his brother uh, alone playing D&D. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I ran a campaign that I wanted it to be a really super power, like high powered campaign. I started everybody at like level, like, I don't know, like eight or 10 or something like that. And I told them all they could take kind of outlandish abilities. And I encouraged everyone to go sort of um, outside of the core player's handbook races with things. I wanted, you know, ice giants and angels and and uh, all kinds of weird stuff like that. And I wanted people to really kind of twist the the sort of push the boundaries of what the book defines for a lot of the classes and, and races they were playing. And my brother ended up playing a uh, uh, half celestial, a half angel character. Cool. That was a rogue, but instead of hiding in shadows and darkness, he basically, he had one of the, the items that he took as like his kind of starting item that I allowed him to have were a little satchel of flashbangs. And every time he wanted to hide from someone, he'd throw down a little grenade. It would blind everyone for a second and he would like hide in the light instead of in the darkness. And I feel like that's kind of the same sort of thing. Like you wouldn't really expect someone to just hide up in the sky where you can see, you know, clear as day. It's just up in the sky right there. Um, compared to hiding in the deep, dark, shadowy depths of the ocean. Yeah. Um, I like twisting that sort of idea a little bit. And that was a really, I was really impressed with him. I thought that was a cool idea. It was really fun that he was a rogue that could sort of find shadows, quote unquote, anywhere to hide in. He could sort of hide in plain sight. That was a really, really neat mechanic that we I had to, as a DM, kind of work around and find ways to allow him to use that. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's thinking outside the box. Yeah. And using yeah, your angel noodle. <laughs> Do we have any more um, locations just from like other like games or movies or anything that we kind of want to talk about to take yeah. inspiration well, from? So I do, I do have one more uh, listener uh, requested one just really quick here um, I wanted to talk about um, oh first off that Kara Harris uh, who had the Krampus realm that's at Kara A. Harris book on Twitter if you want to go look at her uh, her stuff see her Hollow Knight 
progress. She'd be a great person to go follow on Twitter. The other one that I wanted to recommend here was um, Rack underscore Coons. That's R-A-C underscore K-U-H-N-S. Do they run a tavern? Um, no. He, <laughs> wouldn't that be something, right? <laughs> no, he, he basically just said, he also had kind of a simple one. He said, well, I just had like an underground Jurassic Park. It was just like a big dinosaur world that was underground that had like a, an artificial sun and a moon. And that stood out to me a lot because I feel like every time I run a D&D game, I think, how can I put dinosaurs into this game without... Yeah, it's the eternal yeah. question. <laughs> yeah, like do I have an island where all the dinosaurs live? Is there like a moon that all the dinosaurs are on? Are they like space dinos? That'd and it just made me happy. Dinos in spacesuits. Totally. Aww. It just made me think of like, uh, well, it, it's like Dinosaucers. Did you ever watch that show? Nope. Oh, uh, it's like a weird animated show from the like late 80s, early 90s. Where... I didn't have cable, so oh, I don't man. think it was on uh, the WB Kids on I, Saturday. I'm going to make a note right here to put the theme song to Dinosaurs in the uh, show notes here because oh, it's, it's a treat. It's a bunch of weird alien laser dinosaurs that it's kind of like Transformers meets uh, Jurassic Park as a cartoon. Sounds like fun. It's a wonderful time. Um, dinos in space. Exactly. Space, um, space. Yeah, like I, I, I just like the idea. I like knowing that other people are also like but what if there were dinosaurs in my fantasy <laughs> it made me very happy to see that other people were finding ways to put dinosaurs in in things um in other mediums here uh i guess outside of outside of our listener suggestions you know i love a good thunderdome i love you know once in a while mad max just has to go and do battle in like a giant arena. Everything about Mad That's Max, cool. especially Fury Road, is just <laughs> totally inspiring. So yes, yeah. agreed. Go and party on a Fury Road. That sounds like a lot in of fun. In fact, one of the topics I was put in for our pinwheel um, was just a caravan. Like the idea that you would just be on moving vehicles that are constantly traveling. And yeah. how would you describe those vehicles? What do they look like? Are they wagons? Are they boats are they ships are is they something a, else is, is it an a animal ghost train on the way to hell yeah exactly piloted by santa yeah totally <laughs> so i don't know there's all kinds of cool stuff yeah. around that yeah but. Uh, i i agree that is really neat do you have any ideas other than a, other than a fury road Piper? um at the moment literally the first thing that just popped into my head um was i was thinking about pan's labyrinth um Ooh. where i like these different kind of Whenever our main character, Ophelia, needs to face a different trial, um, she finds a different sort of doorway into the Fey realm that's kind of unexpected. Like when she needs to go find the frog, the, the big toad, she just mm -hmm. kind of crawls under the roots of a tree into this tunnel. And she draws, she uses the chalk to draw the little doorway to get into the room of the child eater. Um, and like settings like that. I don't know. Those are very, I think, kind of dungeon-esque like. Yeah. If we're thinking of a sort of classic approach to this game are these kind of small little enclosed spaces where at the end there's a definite challenge or goal waiting for you totally um, and you know what i hadn't thought about i i love that movie i think it's a great movie but i haven't watched it in a long time and i hadn't really thought about the fact that there are the idea that there are multiple entrances mm -hmm. into this sort of fantastical place i think is really really cool um well, often you sort of see there's like one key and one door. You have to have this exact password to get in, but that depending on sort of the direction you're coming from, there are multiple entrances. That's really neat. Well, yeah, that's the sort of, um, that's one of the beautiful things when doing like an analysis for that film. Cause we talked about that a lot in, um, I think it was one of my genre classes. Uh, but it's this idea that 
there every time Ophelia like does this escapism that mm-hmm. she's trying to leave the horrors of her actual life behind and go into this is it actually the fey realm is it just her child fantasy yeah. you know we have these different portals but the final portal that will take her away from this horrible life and bring her to her supposed her family that she is this princess returned to her actual fey parents requires i mean the key there is the ultimate sacrifice she needs to kill the baby or there's like a, a blood sacrifice that needs to happen so yeah. that the doorway will be open absolutely yeah so it's things like that are really cool that was literally the first one that came to mind um we can just jump in and start making our own yeah why don't we yeah, because so we jer- we're, grasping at we're, straws. we're gonna be making a bunch of these already uh, a bunch of these this episode so piper why don't you go ahead and give us some some prompts uh and i will get ready with the spinner here what is sounds good is it on mute it's yeah, it's on mute, okay. prob- probably. <laughs> uh, Sometimes it's not. Yeah, it's on mute. Okay. So I got I got a wheel spinning here, but let's give us our prompts first. All right. So I've got a cluster of five words. Um, right. I opened. Oh, no, you opened. So I guess I can take these. Yeah, take these five words. Okay. So I have the words unequaled, festive, ludicrous, holistic, and snap. Oh, my God. Okay. You got some wild words here. So you've got your five prompts. Mm-hmm. Piper, why don't you toss a couple of prompts my way here? All right, Sam, here are your five prompts. You have the words sabotage, historical, black, longing, and obstruct. Okay, let's see. Sabotage, historical, black, longing, and obstruct. Correct. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So we're each going to do... What, let's say three locations? Well, let's just do locations until we feel like we've. Well, exactly. We can do up, up to five. We can do up to five here. Yeah, to so fill up these things. This is interesting. I. There are. I, so I'm looking at these and I'm trying to think of like commonalities between these things, right? Like my. Oh, you my, want to link yours? Well, not even that, but I just mean like, you know, we're making a bunch of locations. Like, how could I make locations based on all of these things? So I'm just sort of thinking, what's like a, th- a through line with these? I don't necessarily want to make a bunch of locations all in the same world but uh i don't know just kind of uh, exploring pushing in in different directions here uh, my immediate reaction is not to try and connect the things because i want these locations to stand on their own i think okay okay yeah so looking for specific differences between them not necessarily i commonalities. think yeah i'll just wait for my prompts and see if any of the words work with them and i'll choose them as i go well here piper i'm gonna go ahead and give you your first prompt oh boy uh and i think oh you you narrowly escaped actually one of my favorite prompts here <laughs> you almost got belly of the beast but instead you got a cave i'm glad i got a cave i don't want a belly <laughs> of the beast <laughs> i mean what is a cave other than the belly of a beast made of earth and stone okay right? this is actually think a great prompt it. for me because earlier while we were chatting i was jotting down a note that i had when you were talking about how your brother made a character who had hide and light yeah i was actually thinking the reverse of that and i was like a land of darkness would be interesting <laughs> where everyone is blind and they have to navigate by sound or touch Ooh. um i think it would be very creepy if a party um entered a cave and maybe there was a collapse and they got stuck there and so the people they encounter within are these at first extremely frightening individuals who are like totally blind and are just kind of feeling and like i think um one of my quick tangent one of my <laughs> favorite um fake creatures from a book that i commonly reference uh which is um the spiderwick field guide to the fantastic world around you is uh the cave knocker which is this funny little ape-like creature with enormous bat ears um and it's said to be a friend to miners um and mm. warn them of like, like collapse children. 
what? Oh, yes. Like yeah. like orphans shoved into a mine yeah, by an like evil man. How like child labor laws aren't a thing in <laughs> fantasy worlds. Yeah. Um, no, but they're said to be friends to miners, but they're called cave knockers because what they do, they have these really freaky long fingers. And it's actually modeled after the creature uh, in real life, an eye eye, who has those really long fingers for yeah. sticking into logs. Yeah, we're little monkey things. But yeah. these um, these cave knockers, what they do is they just kind of, they knock on the walls and they hear the echoes and that's how they navigate with their giant ears. Um, so making a cave, let's see. Ooh, I'm going to go with snap. That's my word that I'm going to use for this one. Okay. So the if a party were to find themselves trapped in this place, I think one of the things that they would first experience is the occasional like dripping of water somewhere, you know, the echoing down a passageway. Yeah. But they would also from a distance hear these kind of sounds yeah, okay. and the further they go like into the a, cavern there's like the jets and the sharks are fighting down somewhere in the cavern yeah. <laughs> i mean i do love that reference but not quite <laughs> it's like there's definitely like a musical gang fight happening exactly. somewhere they, further there's in. like a bunch of street urchins like coming at each other like combing their hair up are they newsies or what are they who are they <laughs> no but i think as they get deeper into these caves they would hear these sounds and if people rolled good kind of like observation yeah. checks or whatever um you would like maybe know what this is uh until you you know got close enough and actually saw these people but i think they're they're snapping so they can hear the echoes and that's how they navigate they're like echolocating exactly yeah, totally. so these um individuals they could be i actually um i want them to be elves i think these caves oh. are filled with elves um and i'm like, gonna take um inspiration from a real life story told to me by one of the coolest men i've ever met who may be a dirty liar but when i was in high school i had a science teacher whose name was beowulf boswell and he told us all kinds of crazy stories one of which was that he and his brother owned this land up in northern minnesota that was just <laughs> full of these big pits and they would go spelunking in those caves and one time while they were in there they came across a deer down in the caves who they assumed must have fallen in the hole mm -hmm. but survived and was now blind and was survived like survived by like licking um the different sediments off the yeah. walls um so they found that down there and so i like the idea that there must have been at some point a great collapse and this whole civilization of like great elves fell down into this pit and that's where they like evolved and learned to live okay that's really cool i i like that a lot I, as wildly unrealistic as that is and unrealistic well i'm sorry a to civilization like, can collapse into a cave no no I'm, i mean like to fall into a cave and be like all that we require to sustain ourselves is the licking of the walls the oh, no, licking no, no, of no, the no, minerals no. of the walls it's not going that far i'm just okay. saying that these are foreign bodies that have found themselves in this environment it's not who you would expect okay you would think to find like dwarves down there or maybe even weird humans okay I see. but these are like elves like find people who are supposed to be in the sunlight and like out in the forest yeah. and things and i suppose they can grow like wild mushrooms and hunt the blind cave deer oh definitely in their caverns they definitely they can like they can fish the creepy little cave fishes um and they can like grow that. things down there so there's definitely they have a culture and a society I like that. but everyone's blind they snap their way around the darkness um <laughs> and yes yeah, so this is my setting also, the cave I, of the lost clan should i should i like censor that you totally doxed your <laughs> Your high school teacher there. Doxed him? Beowulf Boswell. What do you mean? By saying you might be a liar? No, by saying that his full name on air. Who cares? Go look him up. He's amazing. Okay. I've All tried right. to Google search him before. Look, I don't he know, is man. a mystery. All right. Okay, cool, cool. All right. Go find Beowulf Boswell. <laughs> See if you can get some facts out of this man. All right. Well, I, I like that. I, I do really like... So we, so we talked about this kind of beforehand, that with every location, we want to have 
something that's just like different about it. And I think that checks that box. Definitely. You wouldn't necessarily expect to find like cave elves. That's kind of an uncommon thing. Um, and I like sort of the story of there, there was like a thriving city above ground. There was a sinkhole that they maybe had built their, their city above and they thought, ah, whatever, this will be fine. It's not a big deal. And then after a thousand years of, you know, everything going perfect, they're like elves, they hang around for a long time sink into the earth i think instead of them just like stupidly building on a sinkhole i think they must have angered some sort of spirit oh. and the spirit is who, the one who caused the collapse and, maybe and trapped them down there maybe like one adventurer from their civilization went into the caves looking for treasure and upset yeah the the, the inhabitant of this cave and said no 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 you will never escape and neither will any of your kin. You will all live in this cave with me as punishment until the end of time. Does the spirit trap them in there with them or does the person unknowingly unleash the spirit and they say, you are trapped down here and I can now walk above? Ooh, I kind of like that. I like sort of that. A trade because yes. that, that gives an interesting sort of opportunity for the party to say, look, can we make amends between this cave spirit and the civilization? Can they maybe you know, bring this civilization back up? Does the cave spirit need to go back underground to do that? Like, you know, how, yeah. how do we reconcile this? Lots there's a lot questions. of cool options. Oh, I like that. All right. Well, hey, there's there's our first That's uh, one. our first location. The here. cave of the lost clan. The cave of the lost clan. All right. Let's go ahead and do my first spin here. Uh, that's going to be a tough one to follow up because I think that's like really just right off the bat. We're coming in hot. I believe you know? in you, Sam. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, and I got, for my first prompt, a forest. So looking at my looking at my prompts here, um, I kind of like the idea of... Well, okay. The word obstruct, I think, jumps out at me right away as a forest because I like the idea of a forest viewed as sort of an obstacle. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the wild, right? It's the opposite of civilization, the safety of a city and, and humanity and that the forest is the unknown. And it's, it's something you have to get through to get from one civilized place to another. Right. I think that's kind of like an obvious one to go through, uh, to, to use for that. What I think I maybe want to use instead is sabotage. Okay. Because I think that follows the same sort of philosophy as obstruct, but I like that for sabotage, there's like an intention, right? Um, maybe there is, and this this forest still obstructs you, but it's not just because the forest is like a passive, like natural thing. The forest has a spirit, and it's specifically trying to thwart people that come through it. I right? like that, and that makes a lot of sense because I think it's fairly common in in sort of like fairy tales and stuff yeah. that um, a dark or frightening forest exists solely to keep somebody out of some other place. Absolutely, yeah. So this so. Well, I like that too. So maybe this forest isn't just a, you know, it's situated between areas of civilization, but also within this forest, maybe there was, you know, maybe maybe this forest consumed some other civilization. So now at the center of it, there is some ancient ruin or, uh, you know, a magical lost obscured city that the forest now, they've taken over this city and the forest kind of is... Uh, feels as though they are maybe a steward of this place. They mm. they want to hide it from the rest of the world because they consumed it and said, "No, you know what? I kind of like this. This this ancient city. There was value here. The you know whatever forest spirit or forest god or whatever 
was in control of this place, they said, this is mine now and no one else can come here because no one else is worthy of this knowledge or this treasure or experiencing this place. So they actively send out, you know, emissaries to set traps and, and to um, cool. prevent people from finding their way to this, the heart of the forest. I like that. Yeah. And that's also very in line with many of your kind of classic um, fae folk or, or trickster fairy is that they exist solely yeah. to turn you around or get you lost. Absolutely. Um, can I offer an image that came to mind do. when yeah, you I, described that story? I want to talk about like specific examples and specific ways that people could be thwarted or tricked. So I want Well, to this is it. actually yeah. going into the history that you started talking about cool. when you said that like if something would come and consume a city that was there and make it their own. Yeah. I like the idea that maybe this forest is ridiculously tall and Ooh, so okay. if there was once town like buildings and structures here the trees grew so densely around it that the trees themselves grew around the structures but they as they grew and the trees got taller and taller the structures were lifted off the ground because they're entangled within the bark and oh, in the like membrane that. of the tree itself so if people came here and they're looking for this lost city uh they would have to look up and they might see it, elements of it sticking out from the tops of the trees that's a really cool idea and i also like the I like thinking about it's sort of like a tree fort that wasn't built in the trees. Exactly. A tree fort that was raised up yeah. into, the, into the city. So it would maybe be made of, you know, marble and stone and, exactly. and metal, but it exists up high above the ground in the trees in a way that you, would, you wouldn't really expect, uh, you know, a, a traditional stone city yeah. to be. So, I think that's neat. Well, cool. Oh. Um, so do you imagine that there are... What What are the, the stewards of the forest? People trying to turn people away. Yeah. Are they tree folk themselves are they tree looking like individuals yeah. or are they agents of the trees i mean you know are they loraxes is it a million loraxes <laughs> it's a million loraxes a little danny devitos they speak for the trees and they lift up their pants and they fly away <laughs> uh well so i love a good lorax it's also no secret that i love a good ent the tree folk are absolutely uh among my favorite of the peoples of middle earth and of you know, other generic fantasy realms. I I kind of want to do something different, though. Um, cool. Maybe what if it's sort of a non-imposing type of creature? Like but, a deer. Yeah, well, but yeah, like a deer or a raccoon or like squirrels or something. Like some, some type of creature that isn't imposing and able to protect the forest because they as individuals are really strong, but because there is a massive army of them. Squirrels um, would work for that. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe within <laughs> this forest, there's just like a countless, th you know, overwhelming throng of squirrels and, and raccoons and rodents and things like that, that anybody who comes through, they make like a physical barrier wall of But they all have to wear flesh. like little like acorn hats yeah. and like carry little sharpened <laughs> sticks with their little leaf shields. Totally. And I think that makes it interesting. You know, we, we kind of are jumping into sort of Redwall vibes here a little bit. I love bit, it. I love which it. I love. Always um, we should channel Redwall. Always we should channel Redwall vibes. I also like the idea that this is guarded by a faction that could be, you know, infiltrated or befriended by the party, right? Mm -hmm. um, there are sort of magical precautions in place 
that are put there by the you know the the forest spirit the forest god or something maybe there are you know kind of traps and things grow in weird ways that block you out but also sort of the vanguard of this forest is this massive army of squirrels and raccoons and stuff and if you were able to get in good with them they could show you the secret ways through the forest that only they know i like that yeah i also think that the the squirrels and raccoons and mice and land creatures that's the forest's army but the forest also definitely has a air force of birds that <laughs> oh of course comes down from above and assaults <laughs> yeah and they, from the canopy yeah and they poop on all your heads yeah and they drop Absolutely. rocks on you and yeah. they stab you and they fly through your eyeball i like that a lot yeah um yeah yeah that's cool. that's pretty cool I, okay that's my that's my forest do you we want got to try it. and name it uh so i like i like the imagery of you know that it's these really incredibly tall like redwood type trees mm-hmm. maybe it's just called like tall pines or something like that that you know there is cool. this very like simple kind of basic name because nobody has able has been able to really go in there and learn a lot about it because mm-hmm. they're always sort of rebuffed by this army of rodents um <laughs> dropping my pen dropping a pen <laughs> professionalism you know <laughs> uh, uh, there, there's like this sort of army of of rodents and things that um i love the idea that great warriors them. would go in there and come out and they're like oh they nibbled me buttons they, they threw too many acorns <laughs> at me i couldn't get, I get couldn't, in you don't understand so man basically nobody really knows anything about this forest because they can't get in to explore it and learn about it the only thing that they know about is they can see from outside yeah those trees are pretty damn tall <laughs> so they just call it like tall trees or like tall you know tall oaks or or Big pines or something like that. Cool. I like it. Yeah. Awesome. I like that too. Please generate for me right. a new Generating location. Generating a new location for Piper here. We're going, we're, I like we're just, we're blasting through these. I like it too. This is fun. It feels good. I, I think it feels <laughs> nice. It feels good. feels well, real good. It does feel nice, I think, to tell sort of more short form, simple stories like yeah, this. Definitely. This was really fun when we did this for Halloween. So I like that we're just going with, uh, we can just sort of lightning round, yeah. shoot a bunch of these out for you. Uh, Piper, you got... For your next prompt, a mountain or mountains? Ah, oh, lame. I just did a cave. <laughs> Can I get a different one? Yeah, okay. We can do a different one. You're okay, right. cool. That's, Thanks. A cave is basically like this. It's, it's a little yeah. too similar. Yeah, it's, it's very samey. It's I, very samey. I appreciate the switch em ups. Switch em ups. Uh, and you got this time. Oh, this is a really good one, Piper. You got a tomb. A tomb is sweet. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to do a... I'm going to use my word ludicrous for my a tomb. Ludic- it's Ludicrous's tomb. Yeah, that's where the rapper's Ludacris buried. Ludicrous Bridges' tomb. Yeah. <laughs> Ludicrous tomb. In Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so... One of our one of the responses on Twitter um, for this uh, question that we posed, somebody talked about how they went into, I think they said like the lair of like a trickster god um, and everything in there was like an illusion or a trick. I kind of like the idea. So for a tomb, I imagine this would be the sort of setting that a party would enter for a kind of treasure hunt sort of a thing. Yeah. Normally, if you're raiding a tomb, like a tomb raider, a big busty lady in a video game, <laughs> yes, yeah. you're going in there for With gold or treasures. triangle pixelated breasts. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. You're going in there to take somebody's gold uh, so a mummy or, or a skeleton can come and kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to think about how sort of the, the best tombs of all time, obviously, are those of the pharaohs because <laughs> they were super great. What a, what a take. <laughs> I, I am being so smart right now. Um, no. So um, I remember in my in my art history class in like freshman year of college, um, we like studied a couple of pharaohs tombs that were of note. And one of them that I thought was so funny was for this one tomb, they built an 
athletic track in it because they're like, well, when he's dead, he's going to want to ride his chariot around because that'll be something fun to do. And so there was like an athletic track built into his tomb. And so I kind of want this tomb to be the burial spot for an incredibly wealthy I'm just gonna say a pharaoh or a king, um, a great uh, monarch Is he from long ago. Buff? I mean, he was like a track star or something like that when he was alive. I don't know if I'm gonna go with the athletic theme. Um, That's the most but... interesting thing about the story you just told. <laughs> How are you not gonna go with the athletic track? Now? Well, no, the idea is is that um, from the outside, uh, it seems like your kind of basic um, pharaoh's tomb. I okay. think where it's just like, oh, look at all these beautiful hieroglyphics like and these the, statues the of pumpkin spice latte of. Exactly, exactly. The the statues of of the great king who was buried here. And the deeper you go into it, the more you find out, whoa, this guy was a freaking weeb. Like he has like all of his stuff that he <laughs> all wanted. Of his, like anime hieroglyphic posters. Well, exactly. Like all of the different chambers you have to navigate through are one of are dedicated to one of his different interests that he had. So I think okay. um one of them had to be sort of like, let's say dolphin husbandry. So there's <laughs> there's a room that is somehow still like submerged underwater and there's like these skeleton dolphins that are like jumping through hoops and things I love the idea, or like mummy dolphin mummified, mummified dolphins, dolphins exactly really so you'd have to navigate um the room of dolphin husbandry um there would be a room i think that was all um like beautiful chests and you think oh these must be filled with gold or something and you go in and you open one up and it's going to be definitely filled with Oh, I don't know. Baby clothes? Like, there's he collected baby Weird. clothes. I don't know. There's going to be... I just want maybe, each maybe room. Maybe he had a lot of, like, Egyptian girl dolls or something like that. Exactly, instead of, like, American girl right? dolls. <laughs> there's one room with... Uh, one really creepy room with just a bunch of giant life-size dolls in, like, weird pharaoh <laughs> clothes. Exactly. No, I think each room that you enter in this chamber is just, like, a different weird... Um, yeah. interest of his so we could continue to pursue his hobbies I, I really like this because you know when you when you get really rich and you just get more and more eccentric as you kind of go down you know what right. i mean like you need to find new things to occupy your time so you're like well maybe i'll you know i'll pick up leather working maybe i'll pick up like stone masonry maybe i'll pick up uh you know, I'll get really into like paper craft or something like that. Like that, you know, like you just go in whatever direction because you can afford to do anything. Totally. If you are so fabulously wealthy as a pharaoh that you can afford to be like, well, maybe I'll get into like amateur skyship building or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, <laughs> like no, that, definitely. It can just be anything. I love that. Okay. What think- are what are a few of the like just quick, let's just name like five really, really weird hobbies you could be into um, that we would find rooms dedicated to. Let's see. I think, um, uh, ooh, there's that. This is, I'm sorry if any of our listeners does this, um, but that thing where like people <laughs> hang themselves from the ceiling by hooks, like they hook their flesh. Oh, yeah, okay. I think there'd just be like a room full of weird hooks. Well, or like in our cults episode, the, the weird D&D goddess that flies around on skin hooks whipping the shit out of everything yeah i just i really like burned out my best idea with yeah. dolphin husbandry dolphin right off husbandry the bat dolphin husbandry is the best okay so we got dolphin husbandry we got weird like flesh hooks uh, we've got room full of baby clothes room full of baby clothes we've got amateur uh skyship uh construction uh what if we had like I mean, they would definitely have, like, a papercraft room. They would probably make, like, big, like, papercraft... They'd be really into cosplay. That's what they'd be into. Oh, obviously. There's one... There's a room room of a million outfits, but the outfits are, like, possessed with different spirits, (laughs) and they come to life, and you have to, like, fight with them to get through. Well, you know what they would be? They would be all the... they, They would, you know... 
they didn't have anime in ancient Egypt, presumably. Not that we know about. I mean, <laughs> I don't think there was any anime on the Rosetta Stone, but I haven't seen it so we don't really know i would imagine the ancient egyptian pharaohs if they got into cosplay they'd just be doing cosplay as like other different like gods Ra or osiris well, exactly or like, yes like a weird crocodile or something like well that. there would yes there would be a room that's essentially just his like furry yeah. room because it's all of the different animal-headed gods exactly. that he's like so into okay um, oh no okay here's the best one you come to this one room right and it's just like the walls are covered in ancient Egyptian writing and you can't find a door anywhere. And yeah. you're like, well, maybe we have to read this writing um, to be able to like open a passageway or something. So you start reading it. And as you read it, you're like, oh, God, this is just his weird like fan self-insert fanfic that he wrote with him and Ra. Like, and it's like, and then Ra held me close to his bosom and I never felt more alive. I love the idea of an Egyptian fanfiction room. That's really great. <laughs> I, I was kind of thinking like an Egyptian escape room now suddenly. He, oh, that'd like, be fun too. designed the first escape room that could maybe be combined because what room would you want to escape more than a room that's filled with ancient pharaoh fan fiction right um so yes no i named this room in my notes uh the pharaoh's fandom cool the pharaoh's fandom yeah. i like that that's, cool. a, that's another great one okay thank you so piper you've got two solid locations oh, under your belt here uh i'm gonna go ahead and spin the wheel here for my second one let's and, get a companion to your forest uh yeah we we got a so yeah we got a forest we got a cave we got a tomb, a tomb, and now we're getting a swamp. Donkey, <laughs> get out of my swamp, you donkey. And the toadstools. <laughs> uh, we got a swamp, you guys. Yeah, nice. Um, I have <laughs> remaining as prompts. I have historical, black, longing, and obstruct. Again, I feel like obstruct is kind of an obvious one to go with for a swamp. So I'm going to challenge myself to go with something else. Mm -hmm. um, let's do, I like historical. Cool. Um, I, I want to think about a swamp where maybe a really significant event happened here. Did a castle fall down into the swamp? A castle sank into the swamp four Three times. Three different Three times. And it sank into this burned down, fell over, and, and then, then sank into, into the swamp. swamp. Um, I, I like the <laughs> idea of maybe there was a really important historical uh, place. Maybe it was like the original capital of a particular uh, realm or continent or country or something like that. And the capital, maybe this continent, they lost all their wealth or they were defeated in a great battle. And so they, you know, they, they didn't have any power to maintain this location anymore. And it sort of fell into ruin. And over time, maybe, you know, rivers were rerouted or, or an ocean sort of encroached upon this location. And it, it did start sinking into the ground and became effectively like a swamp. So it's a place that, hundreds of years ago was a place of immense beauty and now has become derelict and is kind of being reclaimed by the earth and it's just this sort of fetid gnarly putrid swamp that if you you know all of the uh, there are plenty of like artifacts of this you know time past that still remain here mm -hmm. but they're kind of corrupted by this nasty swamp well one thing that i think is really interesting about the idea of something like sinking into a swamp yeah is where like if something is underwater you can still swim down there and find it right or if something is yeah. under dirt or rock you can dig that up but if something's like submerged in like muck and yeah, like mud, it, you dig it up and it just fills it just in again. It just kind of slurps back yeah. in. So, like, if you were trying to like get down underneath the surface and find what was there, you would 
that feels like impossible. Yeah. Like you'd be like swimming through like uh, chocolate pudding just like to like it. try and find something and you couldn't see anything. I like it. Maybe it originally was like a golden city. It was like El Dorado or something like that. And cool. it was it basically sank into the swamp and like all of the maybe even people pass by this and they can even like see it. But because it's so covered in this like muddy filth, the once beautiful golden walls are now obscured and they don't look beautiful anymore. They mm-hmm. look like just a nasty swamp. So maybe people just say, oh, it's just this crummy ruin that we don't go to anymore. That makes sense that um, that, okay, that is spinning a narrative to me for a D&D campaign where if you were to go to a town, right, and you were asking around with different people, uh, a lot of villagers or something would talk of these legends of the once golden city that was new- somewhere nearby. Yeah. But no, it's so long ago no one remembers exactly where yeah. it is and, and there you are plenty mentioned of adventures who are like i've been there it's not that great like what do you mean well exactly well a lot of people i think would say well like what about that weird big muddy structure we pass on the way in they're like that's not it. it's a pile of shit and it's yeah. like oh okay uh not that one i guess but if you like went and investigated it closer then you would find yes in fact yeah. that is what they were talking and about there's a shrek that lives there yes a good yes. ogre yeah a good mm-hmm. old ogre yeah um i also kind of like the idea of there i mean there should be something in it that like People don't like to get close to it because if you got close to it and you scrubbed off one of the walls, if you took like a dry erase marker to one of the walls, <laughs> you would see, oh, no, it's actually like, well, it's pretty sweet. It's made of a gold golden city. Mm-hmm. Um, there should be... Like some ghosts or something. Well, I, w- I was going to say... The city. Well, so, okay. So there's two things that I'm thinking of. So like one of the one of the directions I want to go with this is like in Dark Souls, the new Londo ruins, which is basically like the old city of Londo that was sunk uh, un- underwater to prevent the the four kings like one of the you know one of the bosses in dark souls one that their evil dark magic they like communed with the abyss and gained this evil power and became immortal and all-powerful and so the the like uh the like gatekeepers of this city i forget what they're called in the game there's a name for them in the lore of the game they basically said we have to submerge this city underwater so that this evil can't escape it has to be contained here in new londo kind of lock it in so, the mud. yeah and when you traverse through the city it's filled with the ghosts of all of its ancient inhabitants and they have the they're kind of these spooky spindly drifty ghosts and they have these long knife-like arms that they can kind of pull you in with so either having a bunch of sort of phantoms that wander the wander the the, the swamps or i love the idea of uh, I know you love a good bog mummy. Yes, I do. Um, I was going to mention the bog mummy. Yes. So where in, what was it? It was in like Ireland or Scotland or whatever. They would, they would bury bodies and these, in these places that were kind of these like peat bogs mm-hmm. and what it would like, the, the chemicals would like turn their hair bright red or well, something exactly. like that. All, would, all of yeah. the bog mummies, they look like Conan O'Brien when you dig them up today <laughs> because it, the chemicals, yes, it turns all of their hair red. Yeah. Yeah. It's so really interesting. A bunch of like crazy redheaded zombies that like wander around this, this bog and they're Very kind of cool. like stuck in the muck. They can't quite free themselves. They're maybe, you know, part swamp, part zombie. There's there's a lot of like, you know, swamp thing type mm-hmm. creatures in here that kind of roam around. Um, and I, I remember we had a D&D campaign where I think we went into a swamp in in our like kind of big long like four or five year campaign. It was where, poisoned. It yeah. was a land that was poisoned by this like black smoke. It was a poisoned swamp, but also like above every mummy, there was a little a little shimmering golden light. I think that kind of drew you in. Hmm. Um, and I don't really remember that, but okay. Well, I remember it. It was a good idea that I had, and probably <laughs> you enjoyed it uh, in this I campaign. But I, yeah, like I I I liked the idea that you know maybe these these bog mummies they become sort of predatory and they have they have this like 
very faint kind of latent magical power that's you know granted to them by the the swamp that they live in or maybe it's the, the last like light of their souls maybe that's it so this this light is kind of hovering above them and it draws people in they say oh what is that beautiful light and they go in and then a big red-headed conan o'brien zombie grabs you and pulls you into the swamp and well, makes you become one of them that would provide a very interesting moral quandary for a party of yeah. facing these things because yeah. if you have someone who just barrels in and kills you yeah. know you're going to kill a bunch of these things and the light goes out uh if you have someone a bit more astute who might start to question the purpose of the light and then they might realize that's the last part of that person's soul and if we kill yeah. them that soul is gone oh i like that so maybe that'll challenge people to say okay do we just kill these things forever or do we try and like bottle their lights or something and yeah. do something release can, them can elsewhere help them somehow yeah exactly i think this has been kind of a cool through line with a couple of these is that like you you know you you can go through these locations with kind of a brute force approach or you can go in with a diplomatic approach like i want to present multiple options well exactly i think it's very important with a good setting to provide key potential narrative details yeah. so that you give to your player and then see what they kind of latch on to and yeah. how they choose to interact with something totally. instead of just being like oh you find a box i wonder what's in that box yeah totally. it's more like oh there's a bunch of zombies and they have little lights above their heads but you also notice like this weird kind of sad feeling around this the place yeah i don't know broaden it, it you know it, like yeah, make it more make it more open-ended than that yeah don't, yeah don't railroad your players give them options obviously mm -hmm. that's like I mean, maybe not the most insightful thing <laughs> to, that we could say, but, uh, but yeah, still. important stuff. Nice. I like that. Okay. I feel good about the swamp. Let's each do one more here. I agree. I think. So uh, yours is like um, Swampy Eldorado. Swampy Shrek's Eldorado. Swamp Dorado. Shrek, Shrek Dorado. Shrek's Eldorado. Eldorado. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. Uh, listeners, you can come up with a better name for that. Um, probably got a forest. I'm going to re-roll this for you. Good. I knew this was going to happen. It well, keeps giving us doubles. There's literally like 30 prompts on here, so I kind of <laughs> didn't think we were going to get more than one. Well, uh, it's give, happened give more than once. before. Are you kidding me? Nope. Never mind. You almost got forest again. You got desert. Boring. Cool okay, desert. I can work with a desert. Come up with a cool desert. Ah, uh, desert, a desert, a desert. Um, okay, uh, an unequal desert or a, a holistic desert, which is kind of like a healing desert, I guess. That sounds kind of neat. Uh, I don't want to do festive because when we came up with our... Piper hates festivity. No, when we came up with our, our <laughs> warlock patrons, mine was like that dancing god of death and they were like caravan people oh, yeah. who went through the desert. Like so that's really forever. similar. It was like the St. Vitus's dance or whatever. Yeah. Okay, I think... Which I don't remember if we talked about St. Vitus's dance in that episode. I if, don't think we did. If we I didn't, don't... we should have. It's a really cool, spooky, real thing. It was like a disease that people got where it made them kind of spastic and they thought it was like a weird curse that made you dance all the time or something. All right, here's so, my anyway. idea. Anyway. Because it's all about... For me, it's all about making something unexpected about the setting. I feel like when you walk out into a desert... There's not much there to interact with. Okay. Um, so what I want to do is uh, a classic thing that happens when you're an adventurer out in the desert without any water. Um, you start to see a mirage. Yes. These like these of images, course. these flashing um, kind of perceptions of a little paradise of palm trees and water, um, a little oasis. And so what I want this to be is that there is a, a great place of healing. I'm going to go with the holistic um, that resides out in this desert. And I want it to be sort of like a Shangri-La. And the thing Ooh, is, okay. is that 
um, people passing through the desert might see a shimmering mirage that is this oasis, but only those who are actually like sick or in need of healing. You can't just be like starving or dying of thirst because that's what everyone in the desert is. Yeah. But if you're someone who's like, oh <laughs> this no, old hat, everybody's starving out here. You guys, oh, get over it. Whatever, you can't come in. But if you're like, oh no, I have wizard cancer, it's like they'd be like, go into the desert, walk towards the sun for forty days, and you'd be like, what, really? And it's like, yep. Go do it. And then you would go and you would see it, what you think is a mirage, but if you walk actually through it, it's going to materialize and become real. Um, mm. So the mirages are the little kind of glimmering gateways like, so that it, appear now and then. It's it's a desert that is actually like a portal to the multiverse or something. Yeah. Somebody and, and any maybe maybe it's not even this. Maybe it's anything that you see as a mirage becomes real. It's not even like no, do, you don't like that. No, I like my little healing place. <laughs> okay, okay. Sorry, not to works. not to know you right off the bat. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, but like I'm kind of already building on this. I feel like the person who had who like created this like healing sanctuary they placed it in the yeah. desert specifically to be like not everyone can come here because we'd be overwhelmed and it's only for those who truly need it i so guess i gonna... like that too i mean listeners tweet at us if you like my idea or piper's idea but... go ahead and finish your idea i cut it off real fast what were you <laughs> no gonna i was just gonna say, gonna say like, whatever you say i was gonna say i like yeah i like the idea that like if you go through the desert and you see a mirage anything that you see becomes real like for you so it's like mirages that are actually manifested i would say my only criticism of that is it doesn't quite fit the holistic element well, as fine. much i guess it's but your i like prompt. the idea it's your prompt not mine um okay so i've <laughs> got this yes holistic area yeah. of healing um but yeah and so that's also kind of like it's a big test of faith that um kind of like how people with cancer will go forever to go and find some sherpas up in the mountains uh and monks to heal them <laughs> it's the same thing you'll go to the ends of the earth and they'll say walk out into the desert and you'll find the place that you need and it's a test of faith if you're like okay i will do this and like right before you die it appears for you and they're like welcome we'll heal, heal I, you now i like that it, it's sort of the the desert is sort of like a place that they go to it's like you have to get through this like hellish nightmare place to find the oasis at the center that is your cure exactly. for whatever you have. Like, you know, it's a fountain of youth or it's a whatever. Exactly. And the desert itself is sort of a metaphor for the experience of having this horrible disease, ha having this like horrible disease or affliction or illness or whatever it is that you're trying to, to overcome. The, the desert acts as, you know, a, a narrative metaphor for that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. I like that. I see also uh, a party might even just be traveling through the desert, not in pursuit of this place. Maybe they're just going from A to B on their journey, but they would see a caravan across the dunes and someone might say, like, who are those folk? And there'd be like a black flag flying above the caravan and someone says, oh, that's a plague group. Don't go near them. Oh, cool. Plague okay. plague wanderers are always like walking about out here trying to find this, this rumored place of healing i like this idea that there's just there are constantly just madmen and like the the sickly and the disease like the, it's a place of pilgrimage yeah exactly like anyone can come here to find a cure for anything but only certain people will find it yeah exactly you have to be stout of heart and and you know brave of spirit and and whatever you have to have certain qualities that you can to earn your 
cure, essentially. I kind of love the idea that that would be a sort of uh, opportunity for combat on your way to this healing place, is that at night when you make camp, you are ambushed by a pack of lepers. Oh, yeah, of course. All, just... all the other sick people who are here. Well, yeah. no, they have they went out to the desert originally with good intentions to find the healing place and have been here for years, and now they're mad with just heat. Just wandering. Exactly. And they're like, I will never be healed, so you can't get there that's, either. And they just really want to cool. stop people. Just a pack of pack of wandering lepers yeah. just falling apart. Well, they'd be easy they to defeat you, yeah. <laughs> because it's like the Black Knight where if you just like hit his arm, it just falls off in the sand and he's like, oops, well, of come course. on, let's keep fighting. Apologies if we're being insensitive to any of our le- listeners with leprosy. Yeah, uh, sorry, but... listener lepers. <laughs> our lepiner, le- leper, le- leper listeners. listeners. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's cool. Um, Thanks. You... <laughs> The, the the most treacherous thing about this place is the other adventurers who come here to, you know, like everyone comes here seeking the same thing, but they're all, they all either find it or are driven to madness. So you, you like, you can come and you succeed and then you leave or you basically stay here forever in search of this prize forever. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting to me. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Ooh, I like it a lot. Is I there also, a name to this? Like the, you know, the, the endless sands or something like the, in, the infinite sands. At the moment I have the dunes to blank. Um, mm. And... I might just say Shangri-La. The dunes oh, to Shangri-La. Maybe they call it like the hourglass because it's always like, there's always like more grains of sand falling through or something. I like that. It's yeah. good. Um, I have to do a quick Rango quote because um, <laughs> I love that movie and they talk about that. In the very beginning of the film, Rango encounters this armadillo who tells him that if he wants water, he has to go find dirt, which is the name of the town. Yeah. And he's like, follow your shadow for a day's journey and you'll come to this place. And Rango's like you want me to just walk out into the desert (laughs) it's like yep see you later he's like okay i'm going now alone into the desert by myself (laughs) it's pretty great i love it yeah rango's a fun movie we've talked about rango on the podcast before like if you want to have some like see some really cool visual design Mm -hmm. gnarly looking ugly looking little rodent people but they're totally unique and fun and cool yeah, Rango's great. Yeah, that's an early uh, rec room. Early rec room. Go early, see Rango. Early, early rec room. Um, okay, your last okay. prompt. So my last prompt here that I got was Marketplace. Nice. Um, I feel that I have kind of a convenient answer here that I... Th- again, this is sort of... I've not gone with the most obvious answer for the first two locations that I had, but this one I have Marketplace and Black. So like a Black Marketplace. Um, I love what the... What does that mean? Well, like the Black Market. <laughs> But oh, like, I see. Okay. If it's a black market, if it's like a, you know, like the black market, I think is kind of talked about mm. as like sort of a vague, like conceptual idea. Like anything that you buy outside of the law is like bought on the black market, right? Mm-hmm. But I sort of like the idea of a location that is actually a physical black market. It's the place where all of the pirates and thieves and, and vagabonds and dishonest traders all come together to sell their ill-gotten wares. Like the Court of Thieves. Exactly. So, like, what kinds of things could you buy at a marketplace that, you know, it's like a pop-up marketplace. You know, imagine going to a craft fair or something like that. Like a pop-up holiday craft fair, but everything there was stolen from someone else. I think definitely slaves are for sale. Definitely. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, slaves would probably be for sale. We're going to just move on from that one what other things could be bought oh boy <laughs> this marketplace um unicorns yeah things of innocence i like that i like that it's so uh children's dreams bottled and for sale that ooh, have been stolen from kids while they were sleeping that's interesting yeah because i was thinking sort of you know like tiger's claws and unicorn horns and like 
uh, touching on your like holistic prompt, maybe uh, maybe there are like uh, alternative medicine type things that are stolen from uh, you know magical beasts like you know dragon scales and unicorn horns and and uh, like puka's tears and things like that. You know, it'd be really cool. What? What would be really cool? Um, if there was a stand. <laughs> Cooler than those three things I those said. Those are really cool. I like all of those things. Cro- crocodile tears. Yes, crocodile, crocodile tears. tears. Very good. Yeah. I think it'd be very interesting if at one point while like walking through this place, you're seeing a lot of all these different like fantasy stuff and magical things, but you would come to this one booth and like you could like pick up an object and be like, what the heck is this? And it's essentially a calculator. It's like different like things that somebody, the owner of this stand has access to portals that brings to like other dimensions and times so it's like a random roller blade it's things from like our world and like what is this strange device i like that electronics that can't work in this realm because there's no electricity or power source maybe take that a little bit further maybe it's not even that one shopkeeper has access to this maybe the marketplace itself is like a place of portals yeah exactly it's it's like a nexus between all possible realms so you can buy fantasy stuff and sci-fi stuff and steampunk stuff and that'd be cool like you know it, it's just the place where all of these different worlds and settings kind of come together yeah and you can maybe only ex- you, you can only experience this place for like just a, a moment you have a very brief time that you can subsist here right it takes tremendous magical energy to walk this this realm so if you are a powerful enough being you have longer to spend here and you can get better deals on better items and things like that very cool there's like a limitation on the things you can pull from these other realms so you can't just be a peasant in a in in a in a fantasy realm and go and buy like a giant space cannon or something you know you can't just go buy a death star right as like a little farmer peasant yeah totally (laughs) totally somebody be selling death stars nice i i saw uh the Rise of Skywalker. There's like a thousand Death Stars in that movie. Every every Star Destroyer is a Death Star. But how would it fit in the marketplace? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's the portals. It fits in a bag of holding or whatever. You I know? see. It's just um, a drawing of a Death Star, and maybe they actually yeah, have one that, that you can buy. It's the blueprints to a Death Star. Oh my god! It's the map to where you go find the Death Star. So like, you can um, either get a dragon's egg or you can get a laser gun. <laughs> well, a dragon is just like a fantasy Death Star, basically. Totally. Like a dragon is a fantasy WMD. So WMD weapon of mass destruction. Gotcha. Cool. I knew what that was all along. I was testing you. Do you want me to cut that out for you? No, I'm fine. (laughs) Uh, Everyone can know. I I think there, I I like this idea that just, it's a place where, you know, they say like, Oh, it's the marketplace. You can find anything here, but like literally you can find anything here. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's just a convergence of all possible realms. This might be a little too dark and weird, but well, like... Well, you got pretty dark at the beginning already. I did, so I, think, I yeah. did. What if, though, um, like, literally one guy was just selling different weapons, and you're like, what's significant about these weapons? And the dude's like, I don't know, I just pulled them out of different realms. But every single weapon is like the missing murder weapon to a case in a different place, <laughs> and this guy just grabbed it so the case is unsolved. Well, so he's selling a candlestick, a rope, uh, a handgun... Covered in fingerprints. Wh- whatever all the weapons... Weapons from Clue are <laughs> exactly He's just selling each of those a monkey wrench, a pipe, whatever. <laughs> right. It's uh, he yeah. has a box just full of all the keys that people lose. And then the guy next door is selling like you know Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, Frostmourne, the One Ring. Uh, right. It's just all these it's, different it's, like it's, token things that they've there's, stolen. There's definitely like a shop that's just like movie memorabilia, but it's all the stuff that's actually real from all of those movies and property. Very nice. <laughs> I like I like this. I mean, this is maybe sort of a it's sort of like a 
Dungeons and Dragons player's dream, but a DM's nightmare. There you go. Because it's a thing where anything is possible. Like, any player could reasonably ask for anything, and the DM has to come up with a reason. Like, no, of course you can't have that. It's stupid <laughs> that you would have this, but, like, in this place you can. Well, it's Ready Player One, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it's totally Ready Player One, You can fight yeah. with Han's blaster and also... <laughs> exactly. I don't know, have Snoopy as your sidekick. You know, maybe... <laughs> I would love it if... Well, I was more of a Woodstock person myself. What uh, about Joe Cool? Uh, Joe Cool? You mean the camel? <laughs> no, Joe Cool is um, Snoopy's alter ego. Oh, you're right. Where he puts on sunglasses. You mean the Red Baron? That's his other alter ego. His other, other alter ego. He's the, a man of a many personalities. Of, a dog of many hats, yeah. <laughs> um, I, so, you know, maybe, you know, you could... If you wanted to include something like this in your world, in the same way that you have to be supremely powerful to walk among these, these merchants in this place, maybe you would be extremely straining to take an item from this world and you could you know you could buy something but you could only have it for a short time you know you could say all right i'm gonna go buy the millennium falcon but you only it it can only be attached to your person for you know one set one session of the game or something like that idea two um to add another interesting narrative level is that maybe if this is a place where only people of a certain like level like you have to be past like a level 10 or something to get into this place yeah this could become a very fascinating prison if you were like fighting an enemy right and he was losing and he could open a portal to the market and throw you into it and then close it behind him so now you're in this place of incredible treasures but you can't leave it on your own will interesting so you're a very have anything there but you can't take it with you well exactly yeah Yeah. so you could grab all these wonderful things but when you get the doorway you can't take them with you that's sort of interesting because it's kind of the opposite of the idea that it's like you know like he- when you die you can't take it with you but it's like you're still alive but you can't take it with you to the real world right exactly like, you're sort of in this like heaven like state but you can't actually utilize any of this stuff and exactly and it's only if everybody rolls like a perfect 20 that you like get to take something with like you and it. get out yeah. i like it that's really cool i think that's look six six right we did six locations. yeah six locations six. you've got the dunes of shangri-la the pharaoh's fandom the cave of the lost clan the Tall Woods, the market Thieves of, Market, yeah, yeah, the Black the, Market. Cool. And your other one was... It's, I don't remember. The Swamp. The Swamp. The Swamp City. Shrek, yeah, Shre- Shrek, Shrek's Shrek El Dorado. Shrek Dorado. That was it. Okay. Perfect. Cool. So many good ones for you all to use here. I think we've, at the very least, given you the seeds of some really, really interesting locations that could be used in a lot of different settings and a lot of different... Uh, for, for a lot of different purposes. Um, mm-hmm. We would love to hear how you find ways to build upon these locations or to use them in your stories. Please feel free to reach out to us because that's always so much fun. But um, speaking of really exciting and interesting and cool locations, uh, we have a couple of really awesome uh, creators that we want to shout out in the rec room this week. And actually, this week in the rec room, we're going to do kind of a lightning round here. We did sort of a lightning round with creating these things. And uh, if you were to use one of these and you wanted to find someone who could help you make a really interesting map or help you visualize some of these places, we have some recommendations for awesome artists uh, on Twitter that do commission map work uh, and have a lot of really awesome, you know, kind of back catalogs of D&D maps already that I think are well worth checking out. So uh, the first one we want to recommend is one that I think a lot of people are really familiar with, Dyson Logos. Um, He's kind of got... A well-known brand of maps on uh, on in the D and D sort of world. That's at Dyson D Y S O N Logos L O G O S on Twitter. 
Uh, he actually just released uh, over the holidays a huge archive of like over a hundred free maps for D anD D of like you know dungeons and towns and forests and things like that. Uh, definitely go check them out if you want to see some really really interesting, really cool, and really stylized maps. We've also got a very good friend of the show, Damiel W. That's uh, Damiel's wondrous works. She is an incredibly talented artist uh, and one of our uh, you know, biggest supporters and fans on the show. She does really, really cool commissioned artwork, uh, really, really awesome maps. She released an awesome map recently of, um, it was kind of like a cool, like sort of sky, um, sky temple with this giant mm-hmm. like statue with these cool like wooden bridges linking these floating stones and a lot of really really awesome stuff she streams uh on twitch uh at demil w i think as well and uh is on twitter at demil w and just is a really really wonderful person i think kind of a, a pillar of the ttrpg community on twitter we've got uh j underscore dungeon master who also does really really incredible maps um he is also a good friend of ours who works a lot with um you know us on uh on discord and on twitter and is always trying to contribute to just everything that's kind of going on in the community um there's a lot of really really cool stuff from them coming out uh at ty underscore williams t-h-a-i underscore williams another incredible map maker that we love uh just doing really really cool stuff and at mr valor is alive uh another awesome map maker so five really really cool map makers they all do i'm pretty sure they all do commission work they all have uh patreons they all have a huge awesome back catalog of content out there if there is anything in your DD game that you need a map for one of these guys is going to have something available for you to use um go and check out all of their work and follow them and reach out to them and support them because these are all people that we really really love and have been really supportive to us so yeah. um yeah, definitely. Please go and, and pay it forward and, and send it back to them. Awesome. Um, Piper, we've also got, got an incredible thank tank. An incredible thank tank here. Do you got your flip flops on? Do you got your your water wings? Oh, I'm already in the pool, your man. Snorkel on. Yeah, um, jump into the thank tank. Yeah, got my nose plugged and ready to go. Um, <laughs> we were lucky enough over Christmas uh, to receive a book from Sam's l- lovely mother. Yes. Um, she <laughs> got us a like the hit player's manual for yeah, the core rule book for Starfinder. Yeah, for Starfinder. Yeah. So. Um, Sam tweeted about it, asking about um, suggestions for gameplay, and one of the writers, yeah. the developers, you take the reins from yeah, here. Yeah, well, one of the developers for Starfinder, that would be uh, Jason Tondro, reached out to us and said, hey, do you have the, uh, what was it, the uh, manual, the, the character operations manual? Do you have, you know, this story? Like, here, you know, we can, we, we got a lot of really, really great feedback from a lot of people in the Starfinder community. We actually felt really, like, incredibly welcomed to this community. But Jason Tondra reached out to us and he said, you need this book. What's your address? I'm going to send you a copy of this book right away. And they mailed us uh, the character operations manual and an adventure that they wrote uh, themselves, like an official published uh, yeah. adventure that they wrote. Which is so cool. And they it, signed it, and it's just awesome. It so. was really, really awesome. That was like really a great cool. Christmas present. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. So definitely please go check out uh, Jason Tondro on Twitter. He's at... Um, yeah, that's that's Jason Tondro at Dr. Comics on Twitter. Uh, definitely go and follow him. He's a really awesome writer and developer and creator. And we just we are so thankful that, you know, we've been so welcomed into the Starfinder community and especially by someone who is kind of instrumental in putting Starfinder together. I think that's really, really fun. I I don't know. We were very flattered by that and just 
really overwhelmed by the support that was shown to us uh, as newcomers to the Starfinder community. So we'll be putting together a Starfinder game here in you know the coming weeks in just our private lives, and we'll mm-hmm. be sure to kind of share the details of that on the air because we're really excited to start that. And we have a lot of really, really fun ideas for characters and locations and stories and stuff that we want to tell. Can't wait. I've been yeah. talking ever since Sam introduced me to D&D. I was like... But where's the sci-fi? But why not sci-fi? <laughs> but what if sci-fi? Because that's my jam. So can't yeah. wait. It's going to be great. Absolutely. So we'll we'll absolutely be sharing all that with you. But for now, I think that's, that's the end it. of the show. Yeah. So if you really enjoyed these creations this week, please, like we said, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at WorldForgePod. Send us an email at WorldForgePod at gmail.com. We would love to hear all of your ideas about how to improve upon our stupid nonsense here. And write us a review uh, on iTunes if you feel so generous. Yes, that would be fabulous. Apple Podcasts on Google Play on Stitcher wherever you're listening to this podcast if you want to support us for free no no payment necessary whatsoever just leave us a review leave us a five star review it really is tremendously helpful for us it helps us get our show in front of the ears of new listeners yeah or share it with a friend or share it with a friend go call your mom right now and tell her how much you do it. would you, love for her to listen to this you probably uh, haven't talked podcast. to your mom in a month right <laughs> you better give that lady a call and tell exactly. her about World Forge and tell her you'll never call her again if she doesn't listen to our podcast that'll get her uh so that's our life advice for you that's our D advice for you i think we've left you with enough we will be back next week talking about another really exciting topic for you and uh thanks again yeah. listeners goodbye thank you bye